Hi, Chris Valentin here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Chris Valentin here. I have Chad Beach with me. So excited to have you here today. We're going to be talking about leadership today. And you are the leader of Zoe Church, Zoe Church. Zoe Church, Zoe. Cafe Zoe, that Zoe, whole thing. Zoe yeah, yeah, Church, yeah. you got yeah. it. Yeah. And how long have you been the leader of that church? You planted that church. We planted it six years ago. We just turned six. Six years yeah. ago. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. How's it going? Well, it's going great. I mean, you know, post-pandemic, or yeah. still in the little bit of the middle of pandemic, we're just yeah. getting back to in-person again, and AM services and PM services, and it's getting back to a little bit, you know, more normalcy. So we're loving it though. I mean, I, I remember driving by Reading. We stopped, I think at the In-N-Out on our way down Come to on. LA. That's our moving fame, from, claim to fame. That's right. What do I, before Bethel, there I was. knew I knew Reading as the In-N-Out. There was yeah. an In-N-Out. Right, right. So uh, my wife and I, at that time we had two kids. We were on I-5 driving down to plant the church. We stopped in and out. In fact, we, we messaged uh, Brian and Jen and tried to see him real fast. And we moved down. We started in our living room with 11 people. Wow. Starting this church. And um, and now, you know, six years later, we've seen thousands of people get saved and had an incredible ride. Wow. And what was your vision? Okay, you called the church Zoe. The yeah. word Zoe is like zeal. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a Greek word for abundant life. Okay. So I got the, I got the name for our church on September 10th, 1999. Wow. I'm in Bible college. I'm going up to Big Bear for our Bible college fall retreat. And my buddy puts in a, a cassette teaching from Creflo Dollar. Oh, yeah. And he is preaching on Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Mm -hmm. Do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. The man that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But the man that sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap everlasting life. He starts, he starts teaching Zoe life. Wow. The abundant life that can only be found in Jesus, John 10, 10. So I didn't know it, but I was 19 and God was giving me the name for our church. Wow. And your church is kind of like your, your claim to fame is you're, I mean, you're pastoring all kinds of people, but I know you as the millennial generation Z kind of specialist, like pastor Now you may not see yourself. Yeah. Way, yeah. But that's the way I see it. It's like. You know, like you, you are pastoring and, and then the location where you're pastoring and then right. some of the people that you've attracted. Right? right. And so that's a, like your, your people are there. The dynamic, the, the Metron that the Lord's given you is mm. very interesting and dynamic mm. because your, your dad was a four square pastor. Yeah. And you grew up in the church, basically. Yep. Yep. And I bet the, some of the folks that you're pastoring now probably never dreamed that you'd pastor as far as like this whole generation. Right. What, tell me, how, uh, how how did you come to lead this group of people? And how are you navigating? I mean, I have hundreds of questions I'd love to ask you right. privately. Late, but how are you navigating some of this, you know, this generation, Generation Z? Right. You're pastoring uh, a, a lot of people in the in the uh, secular music and secular arts, you know, uh, tell us about that. Like, yeah. just talk about that. Well, I think, you know, yeah, I grew up in the church. And so who was in my dad's church? You know, I grew up on an island. 
Yeah. Uh, what, in Whid- Whidbey Island, one of the San Juan Islands. Yeah. Who was in my dad's church? Well, who was in our town? Exactly. So, you know, I just remember, you know, when there was a plumbing issue, the plumber in the church came over and helped dad. And exactly. We, a car broke down. The mechanic in the church came over and helped dad. And the lawyer in the church would help dad with the legal <laughs> stuff for the church. So it's like, who's in your town? I always yeah. think like the city that you're in is your mission field. There it is. Of course, that, that's changed with technology that you have a bigger mission yeah, a field. Bit, but yeah. I always feel like the, the, the thing about, and you already hit on it, is like, influence is so supernatural. Yeah. Paul speaks of this, right? He's like, I can't boast about what's not mine. Like yes. God got, it's a supernatural decision that God's given me a measure of influence. Yeah. And man, Hey, Apollos, we so need you good. to do your job, but man, I'm going to do my job. We don't, we can't tell who's sowing, who's watering, but we're both doing our part. Yeah. So I always felt like when we moved to LA, so the first, I lived in LA for six years straight out of high school. And the first time I was in LA, I lived on the east side. So I and, and I was a youth pastor in East LA. So inner city. Oh, oh so, yeah. So I worked so, with inner city youth. I was. I mean, we were in the hood. Yes. You know, it's all ninety one percent of our city was Hispanic. So are you being shaped by that generation already? Yeah. So I was, and but I was in the the you know the trenches. Yeah. In East LA, when the, I came the back, lower the lower uh, lower income. Yeah, lower income. Yeah. So the next time I come back, we're on the west side. Well, I said I have already done the east side. Now let's try the west side. <laughs> yeah. But I always dreamt of building a church that if you walk into Dodger Stadium, or if you walk in the Staples Center, you can't tell who's who's there. It's everybody. Got it. It's Latin. It's African-American, it's Asian, it's white, it's lower income, it's the biggest celebrity in the world. That's just L.A. L.A. is just this collision of, it's a melting pot of culture. I think heaven's going to look like that. Yeah, absolutely. Heaven's going to look like nation, we can't generation. figure out what, who are you drawing? Yeah. And so I just, I really felt like for our church, like, hey, let it be just a total reflection of this city. So, you know, you could have somebody that, you know, has some hedge fund sit next to somebody that, you know, is a school teacher. And I just think that that's church here in Reading, yeah. to be honest, that's mm-hmm. church in Los Angeles. But when it comes to Gen Z in particular, I worked with youth for 15 years. Yeah. So I, I probably still preach with that panic, you know, when you're a youth pastor, you're like, I got to keep it moving. Yeah. I got to, I got to use illustrations. Entertained. I got to quote this last yeah. rap song because yeah. I got to keep their attention. Yeah. So probably, you know, when you preach like that for 15 years and you lead like that for 15 years, some of that just becomes innate, a part of your leadership. Yeah. But the challenge will be not right now us reaching young people, but you notice how like churches grow old together. They do. Like they, I, they I've can. noticed, there's so many movements. They can for sure. So many churches, and how do we combat that? Right now, we don't have to because we have it in spades, young people. Yeah. But you know, that's because I have a three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old. Yeah, I'm exactly. a young family. When I get older, I'll have to make sure we we're working hard to reach young people, because in church, the young will always win. Yeah, I think part of it is having a multi-generational church, but also a multi-generational staff, yep. right? This five-fold ministry is something we, we, you know, we talk a lot about in our movement because just like you're saying, it's like you've got to be raising up the next generation, yeah. not just in the congregation, but also in your leadership team right. so that you're basically moving out to the place where at, at some point, you, you you know, you become a sage and, yeah. and you, know, you kind of go from grandpa to sage, right. from father to grandpa to sage. And so um, I think that's all part of 
like what we're our movements going through right this minute. You wow. know, this metamorphosis in in that way. What do you think? Um, there's a lot of people listening to us that would be, you would be unique to our to our movement because we haven't had you here before, mm-hmm. and it's, we're real excited about it. What do you think it takes? To, is there is there is there a different way that you would lead the millennials and Zs? Maybe I mean, am I articulating right? Is there a different way you're relating to them as when you're relating to the, you know, the boomers, the the older mm. crowd? It, have you found yourself doing anything different, or maybe you don't even think about it because, like you said, you've been submerged, yeah, with with this group of people for pretty much ever. So it might come so natural. Yeah, to you. that's a great question. Well, let's go. Let's go to Rick Warren. Yeah, Rick Warren. Before he wrote Purpose Driven Life, yes, he said he had done, uh, I forget exactly the exact term, but he had written a whole thesis on the boomer generation. Yeah, the boomers. So he understood the boomer. And plus he was one. Was one. Yeah. And then wrote a book for them. Yes. In their language. Yes. So I always think, you know, the, the, the Bible is so powerful. Yeah. It, it is a timeless truth, but it needs interpretation to the audience that's listening. Yeah, that's so You know, imagine you're a missionary, you go to Africa, or you go to yeah. Latin America, whatever it is. We have to speak their language. Yeah. So I always feel like for young people, they're going to give their life to G- the, the message of grace is so irresistible. Yeah. They have to hear it in their language. Yeah. So what is the first rule of communication? When I stand in front of an audience, who am I talking to? That's who, right. Who, 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 how, what? Okay, then I can hit the mark. But yeah. if I don't know the the audience, I'm just kind of, feeling my way through the crowd and hopefully something lands. Yeah. So I think like you said, it's kind of innate for me because I was in it for so long. Yeah. Um, it probably won't always be that way. Yeah. But I think to answer the question in order for us to reach anyone, it's the whole, it's to me, it's the fusion of social and spiritual. Tell me, as a youth, talk, talk about when that. I was a youth pastor, I always thought yeah. if I can crack the social dynamics of a high schooler, Okay. Because their life is driven by social dynamics. Yeah, exactly. In the lunchroom, it's all social. Yes. In, in between classes, is social. Football games, is so, so their social dynamics. How can I just give them the spiritual if I don't understand their social reality? Yeah. I think the same thing is true today. Like, we've got to understand the pressures. We've got to, in church plan, they say, crack the code of your city. Yeah, Understand the culture. We have to do that with this generation. So, yeah, I think it is sometimes I'll realize if I say that, maybe I'll sound like a yeah. father, yeah. you know, and I can play off that, you know, dad joke. Yeah. But I've got to make sure that when I talk, most people understand they're sincere, they're authentic, they're not trying to be something they're not, and they really care about my world. You know, think about Jesus. They marveled yeah. at his authority and the grace in which he spoke. So they recognized, this guy's got moxie. This guy's got authority. This guy's yeah. got power and the graciousness. So I always think, like, I'm never concerned, like, I got to dress a certain way or say some cool, relatable thing as much as got it. I've got to have authority. I've got to have grace. And I've got to convince these young people, I care about your world. And I'm not writing it off. You know, these guys, you know, yeah. this generation. I was like, every pastor that speaks to the generation like that, you already lost them. Yeah. That's like, it's like treating your kid like these kids never pick up after themselves. You guys never turn off the light bulb. You guys never do the. Di- so good. Yeah. Listen, if I speak to the fool in my kid, I get the fool. But if I speak to the king in my kid, I draw out the king. Wow. We have to so do that good. with this generation. How do you navigate? 
this generation's morality. It's not like immorality yeah. wasn't a part of my generation. You know, I, I'm, I'm or, obviously a boomer, you know, born in, in 55, so you can figure that out. And, uh, of course, we know uh, sex and immorality and drugs yeah. and all that. I mean, well, that, was all, that was all in my world. I mean, this is yeah. nothing. There's nothing new. Yeah. This generation has it in a different way, uh, a different uh, you know, they, I'd say Isaiah said inventors of evil. You know, we've got, <laughs> yeah. got really good at like getting right. creative about sexuality and right. about like, you know, how are you navigating some of that? Like, how do you like, like, do you address any of that from the podium? Do you, is it something privately you do? Yeah. How do you, well, how I th- you work I, I, through I, that? I think let's go back to the Bible. Yeah. You know, like, so it's not just your generation. Paul's like, Hey, I yeah. hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. I hear this is going on. Or in Romans, when he yeah. says, you know, th- their conscience has been seared. Yeah. That you guys have no conscience because you just, there's no morality. Yeah. You know, this is Old Testament stuff. Yeah, exactly. So this is a theme of, of every generation that we have to address yes. what the Bible says. Yeah. So I think, number one, I always fall in the Holy Spirit, the divine encourager, who is the greatest pastor on the planet. Yes. And so we send forth the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Who does what? He comforts. He teaches. He reminds. But you know what he does really good? He convicts. He convicts. Of sin, righteousness, and judgment, yeah. right? So, he's, so the, good. he's the great convictor. So so when the Holy Spirit is in a service, the Holy Spirit is in somebody. When I lay hands on somebody, mm-hmm. start praying the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's talking to them. Secondly, I always fall back on what Isaiah said. His word never returns void. It always accomplishes so the good. task it was sent out to so accomplish. Good, Chuck. So if we're... Inviting the Holy Spirit and teaching the Bible. Have you ever been in a service where they're preaching about one thing and the Holy Spirit's talking to you about another thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Wait, we're reading we're reading Jude today, and all of a sudden God's talking to you about unforgiveness yeah. or morality. So I always feel like to answer your question, do I address it? Absolutely. But I want to address it as going like today I'm gonna talk to you about <laughs> Yeah. Right? Your sin. <laughs> yeah, because what? It's his kindness yeah, that sin. leads us to re- every time I've changed my life, it's because I've re- I've come to realize and accept his love, acceptance, and forgiveness. So good. Peter gets off the boat and swims ashore because Jesus makes him a breakfast and says, do you love me? Not, I know what you've been up to. Do you, oh, you think I didn't see that? Yeah. You didn't think, I don't know, you denied me? After he failed, right? Yeah, so I, I think, th- again, the message of Jesus so is beautiful. so irresistible. The good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. news. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, there might be, you know, and there's room for the prophet. There's room for people to call out. There's yeah. room for all that. But I think, teach the Bible, invite the Holy Spirit that's how I've seen God work best in my life. Yes. And I see him working in other people's lives. Chad, where are we going in the next 10 years? Paint, paint a vision, what you see, like, where are we going? A, a church, the world, whatever, whatever, whatever that stimulates in you, like yeah. to answer that question, like, where, where are we going? What's your vision? Well, I, I think a couple things jump to my mind right away. Number, number one, the metrics have changed. And in Bethel, you, you guys are ahead of, of all of us. We're trying to catch up, you know, in terms of a digital space, mm-hmm. a digital reach, using resources to really reach the world yeah. and to bring the gospel forward to all nations, you know, encourage believers yeah. all over the world. So I think traditionally speaking in church, 
the metrics just changed the, or the game has just changed yeah. as where pastors used to go. Like it's, it's about people in seats and people coming to the building. Yeah. I think there needs to be a, a, a real receiving of the hybrid of that, yeah. that it's acts two forty two house to house, breaking bread, reading, reading scripture, praying it's house to house and it's going to the temple. Yeah. So it actually did both. Yeah. They were in the temple and they were in the house. So which one will it be? I think the behavior of church attendance has changed so drastically Mm -hmm. post-COVID that the next 10 years, we have to celebrate and embrace that people that are really with us and loyal might not come every Sunday. And it doesn't mean they're bad followers of Jesus. It's a new way of thinking, not necessarily bad followers of Jesus part, uh, but it's a new way of thinking, shepherding people that will you know, that, that are connecting with you online. Yeah. Which, you know, now the, pretty much the whole world's online, right? Because if you want to see your grandkids yeah, and you're, you're 70 years old, you got to learn how to, you have to learn how to use Zoom. Yep. That's right. Or FaceTime or something, right? Otherwise you don't get to see your grandchild. You see your kids in the, if you're in a hospital. Right. I mean, you know, it's just like, so everybody's, you know, we'll say everybody's a little bit of exaggeration. Most everybody has had to learn the how to have electronic relationship right 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 how to have a digital relationship right and 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 i I think you're absolutely think you're right one of the things i i said you know out of this bad obviously COVID's bad people are in the hospital we still have people in the hospital yeah we've lost people i I never want to make light of that because i I think sometimes we exaggerate to make a point and people are like my my husband died yeah but the good side of that is our like our our uh, Metron, our sphere of influence has grown by over four times. Right. And we're, we, you know, we, we have church now in about 50 countries. Jeez. And, and I'm sure same for you. It's yeah. like people are, oh, I, I can get on here now. Like, yeah. Now that, now that I've got on to learn how to, you know, to talk to my kids, I can actually tune into this church. I, I, right. you know, I love. And, That's right. And so, and, 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 and the, the quest will be, how do we disciple? How do we bring great content consistently outside of just services? Yeah. How do we keep them engaged? It's not about attendance as much as it's about engagement. Yeah. It's How a- do we engage with this new, these 50 new locations? Yeah. We've never grown so fast in the history of Bethel. So fantastic. So there's still the demand of what is the four demands? In my opinion, this is the mission of our church, but I always feel like our demand as a church is people saved, the lost. Yeah, That's the what lost. Jesus came, yeah. right? Disciples made. It's the last thing he told us. Go make disciples. What is a disciple? A wholehearted, committed follower of the teachings and the teacher. So how do I produce that? Is that going to be all online? I don't. I, what will need to be in person? Yeah. So discipleship and then leadership development. The harvest is plentiful. Well, there's not a lot of workers. Yeah. So we got to raise up leaders. So good. Well, how's a leader raised up? Well, what did Jesus do? Stuck him in his back pocket for three years. So you guys are going to come and hang out. You're going to watch me do all these things. And we're going to develop you as a leader. And then the church released, talked about the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all for what? To release the church to do the work. So that will not change. The how you're talking about today in the service. We've we've lifted off. But we have to have a new wineskin in the expression of the church. So in the next 10 years, it's really going to take an open mind. And an open heart. It will not be allowed a critical spirit, a jaded heart, uh, the old guard. It will not work without being open to going, hey, we're about mission. We're not about method. Yeah. We're about mission. It's, and well, so whatever you so want to do, we're about this. Yeah. 
Stay on task. Stay don't on get task. Distra- yeah, distracted. And, and, and don't, in, don't cry over spilled milk. Yeah. Every, I think sometimes the church, like, uh, it's so hard. Every industry has changed. Exactly. Every industry. It's not just our industry. Yeah. Every industry is reinventing or as the the best COVID word, pivoted. You know, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> How many times do you hear that pivoted. word? I haven't been to church in 18 months. <laughs> you know, we're just, Dude, bro, that's not a pivot. That's not a pivot. <laughs> it's backsliding. <laughs> so I think we have to yeah, stay so fluid, stay formidable, stay tender, stay soft. And then once you get, it all goes back to prophetic vision yeah where there is no prophetic vision and that's why we lost so many leaders yeah is it is, is this more frustration yeah. than there is pressing in going god speak to me how do i accomplish this mm-hmm. yeah there's a great saying a man without a vision is a man without a future a man without a future will always return to his past Ooh. such a powerful that is powerful powerful word chad one more question i have for you what is the toughest thing you face on like on any kind of a regular basis, like what, what, it, you know, people listen to this, like, that's amazing. Uh, you, you don't, you don't have a tough life. I, I know you have, I, I mean, you can't be a leader. People ask me all the time how you're doing. And, I, and I'm like, well, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing good, but, yeah. but I'm also doing bad yeah, because yeah, I, I have people things, who yeah. aren't doing good. Right. Right. So, right. you know, I, I'm doing, I, so I always say I'm doing mostly good. Yeah. Mostly good because I love people who aren't doing good yeah. and I carry them with me. That's right. So there's no way I have, I never have a perfect day. Right. Because right. I'm, because I'm leading thousands of people who aren't yeah. having a perfect day. Yeah. What Your challenge, what, you, th- th- just what you carry when, yeah. what's, what's on your heart? Well, I, I love Bishop Jakes. You know, he, he says yeah, e- e- every one of your heroes is currently getting punched in the face. Yeah. And that's just, you know, the commonality that we all have is we're all getting punched you know, somehow, some way. I think when you ask that question, my knee jerk response is a building. Yeah. That would be the greatest burden I have right now as a leader in church is getting a building for our church. Yeah. The acquisition of property. And, um, you know, after you you can set up and tear down for a few years, but after six, you're kind of like, all right, yeah, we, we want a home. We want to purchase something. Los Angeles is, you know, the real estate is very difficult, but that would be, you know, outside of, you know, Paul's like, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. And and, and then on top of all that, the daily burden (laughs) of of what you're saying, the people. So you're always carrying that. That never goes away. That is the privilege and the responsibility of leadership, carrying weight. Well, you know, we're going to partner with you in praying for that. We went uh, in Weaverville, our little town of Weaverville. We sold our building and we're building a building and we thought we'd sell and build within three years, but it was 14 years later that we built the building. So we were in a theater yeah, you know, you you yeah. were t- describing where every every someone had to get up at five thirty in the morning, yep. set up all the stuff, yep. you know, be there, tear it down, yep. and then where do you, you know if you have a special meeting, you got to try to find a building for it. That's right, and it's like Abraham and Sarah <laughs> right. wandering through the, right. the, the but, desert. But you know, I, I part of me goes, do you do you do you not? let people know do you do you yeah. do you keep it to yourself i always think no let everybody know absolutely We're, or you know it's like when a couple's trying to get pregnant let it get everybody praying for this pregnancy absolutely. get everybody around I, that's how i feel about a building and i've seen god give people buildings absolutely oh just i've seen a pastor just walk over here's the keys mm-hmm. here's the savings account i'm retiring it's all yours so i'm believing for some 
plop miracle mm-hmm. in our church. Someone just gave us a hundred and thirty six thousand square foot building. So there you go, right there. Just got it there last it is. year. Exactly. Business guy, like, hey, we want this building, and he's like, I'll buy the building. I'll put my business in there. Just I'll take uh, thirty thousand square feet. You guys can have the rest. And so you know, there you go. I believe so that this is a prophecy, right? Yeah. The, the testimony of Jesus yeah. is a spirit of prophecy. So yeah. as He's done for us, we, yes. we pray He do it for in you. Jesus' name. Wrap this up for us. Why don't you just say a prayer for the folks that are watching? Yes. It? Let's pray together. God, we just thank you, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that you are our leader, you are our shepherd, and we ask, give us insight into this generation, show us how to pastor and lead, how to prophesy and preach and disciple these young people. We pray that it will be a Jacob generation, a generation that seeks your face. We love you today. We give you our lives and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Chad, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog, or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.